My name is Elizabeth Evans, and I'm a homeschooling mom to four kids, ages two through nine, and we are learning how to make joy normal. My name is Bonnie Landry, and I want to welcome you to season two of our podcast, Make Joy Normal. Um, we want to thank everybody for their support and uh, and how much you've shared this podcast with uh, your friends and those who you think it would be helpful for. Um, I am a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma. I've been homeschooling for 30 years. My kids are ages 14 to 33. I only have one at home now. I'm a speaker, a writer, a blogger, and I guess we're podcasters now, Elizabeth. <laughs> and uh, I'm an advocate of joy. So welcome to our podcast. Good evening, Elizabeth and Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us, Rachel. This is going to be super fun. I, I can attest to that because I know you in person. So I'm just going to tell our listeners uh, that we, how you and I met because it's a good story. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so last summer, uh, I had all my family here. And I was actually in Victoria for the day when things were sort of lifted for a little while. And we ended up doing some visiting and going, uh, hanging out in Victoria for the day, uh, a whole bunch of us about, I don't know, 12 of us. And I was visiting my sister-in-law and I noticed this message on Facebook. I hardly ever use Facebook Messenger. So I, I uh, kind of caught my attention. And um, anyway, there was this message from somebody that said, oh, hi, we've just moved to the couch in Valley. And somebody told me that you're kind of connected here. Um, you know, uh, can we get together or something? I don't exactly remember what you said actually, so, but something like, can we get together? Or, you know, do you know anybody around here, any homeschool groups or whatever? And so I was like, oh yeah. So I, I texted you back while we were driving. I texted you back and said, um, he said, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm uh, happy to help you out. You know, uh, and you said, oh, well, I live on X road. And I said, well, I said to Albert, she said she lives on our road. How, how did she live on our road? <laughs> it, was like, it was like, I couldn't, it did not compute. Right. And so, uh, cause if there was a family with eight kids that lived on our road, I would know about it. <laughs> so anyway, but it was COVID. And so anyway, I said, well, that's the road I live on. Where do you live? We discovered we live about maybe a seven or eight minute walk from each other. Um, and so, yeah, so that was a really beautiful thing to do. Unfortunately, you know, getting together has been a little harder just because of the, the season of life that we're in. But, um, but we've been trying to go out for walks and trying to do our thing. And yeah, so it's good. Hopefully by summer, we'll, we'll uh, dive in a little more. So um, other than the fact that you live on my road and you have eight children and a farm, um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about you and your family? Sure. Um, okay. We are a homeschooling family. We've been homeschooling since the beginning and now we're in our 13th year. Our eldest is going to graduate this year and turn 18. It's all these big things that are happening. Um, we lived in Calgary where my husband and I met, even though we're both from the East. Um, we met there, going to Bible college, got married, started having a family right away. And, um, we're just amazed and surprised to have such a large family. Never expected that, hadn't planned for it. And we're blessed just incredibly with every new child. And I've just realized the wisdom in that. It's been incredible. And then three years ago, we, well, I guess it's four years now, we made the decision. I made a joke to my husband, Dan, said, so what do you think about um, getting an RV and doing some traveling? We've been talking about moving out here to the coast. We've kind of finally made the big call. All right, let's take this leap of faith. We've been dreaming about it for a while. The only thing stopping us is fear, so let's go. 
So we'd kind of crossed that big hurdle. Then we decided to get an RV and um, Dan, who is the, the least, the last person to embrace camping <laughs> said, that's a great idea, let's do it. We ended up with an RV. We traveled across Canada to the East Coast where my family is. And um, then after we got back to Calgary, we basically just landed for two weeks, packed up the rest of our stuff, moved out West, spent two years looking for a home out here, lived with my in-laws and then did two more summers of traveling. And it was just the most amazing thing because we bought our home here a little over a year ago, um, got moved in, got started before COVID, um, had already decided, okay, our traveling days are probably done for now. <laughs> and just with everything that's happened, we've been so thankful that it happened the way it did because now we've been able to establish something here without the regrets of, oh, should we still be traveling? So yeah, here we are growing yeah. something new. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, amazing timing as well, because, um, because the market has just gone bananas in the last six months, right? Because partly because of COVID, we don't really know why, but it's just going crazy here. So yeah. And hard to find anything. So yeah, you guys were really, really lucky. I'm super curious. Can you tell us a bit about your farm and what you're doing on it with it right now? Sure. We <laughs> kind of started when some friends said, Oh, we're looking for a home for our chickens while we travel for three weeks. We were talking about wanting to have chickens, but you know, taking our time, pacing ourselves. And <laughs> they told us that two weeks into us living here. So changed gear, stopped unpacking boxes, and then got the chicken coop that had been disused for probably a decade. Yeah, got it all set up again, started fresh. And um, that just launched us into a whole bunch of new things. So from there, we ended up adding ducks, goats, rabbits, geese we hatched a whole bunch of other chickens a whole bunch of other ducks and now we have a family cow as well oh cool yeah and so no experience right no previous experience so whatsoever yeah it's crazy so what was that transition like like okay we're living this life we're living this life and now we're living this life what was that transition like was it like how you thought it would be? I guess that's a better question. Was it, was it how you imagined? That's a very good question. Um, no, it's not how we imagined. Right. It is better than how we imagined. I mean, cool. I've had to repeat a lot of things to myself about how every farm has, you know, poo. Every farm has these messes to deal with. Because, you right. know, you look at these picturesque YouTube channels or Instagram feeds where it's just beauty, beauty, beauty. And you know, I kind of had that expectation of, okay, I can achieve that. No, it's, there's reality behind all of those things, right? So the transition right. has been um, enlightening and sobering at the same time. Uh, right. Recognizing that not everyone in the family is interested in these things. I mean, yeah. the kids have been hugely accepting of this next crazy idea mom and dad want to have on the farm, right um, they've gone along with it but I mean they're you know some of the younger kids I think are more into it the older kids are sort of like whoa you know we're city kids we didn't sign up for this right <laughs> so it's, it's right. been an interesting transition um so did you did you did you just you sort of imagine how many hours a day you'd be putting in did you imagine it was kind of a full-time 
thing um you know did you imagine sewing your own clothes what were you, what were you imagining <laughs> well that's future goals but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's good that we started with one animal it's kind of like when you have one child right you think right wow this is a lot and it is a lot it's new it's a huge transition then a second child that comes along and you're kind of nervous beforehand can i do this am i going to have enough to give to another mm -hmm. and then it just kind of goes from there so I kind of think of it like that I mean it's a good thing we started with chickens and right. then you know we went and now we're at spending several hours a day and there could be many more hours every day because you know there's always things that it's like okay we're gonna have to leave that till the next day yeah so it has been a lot but it does get easier too we're finding as we kind of know what to expect and I'm able to spend less time worrying about that chicken looks a little bit weird panicking <laughs> because I have to remind myself chickens are not humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How they might respond to something is not the same as how I would feel about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So where are you learning the skills to do farm stuff? <laughs> lots of books. Yeah. Uh, lots of YouTube videos. I, I cannot even it's countless how many times we've had to just search some random thing up on Google, watch a YouTube video on how to do it. Um, the amount of strange things that I've had to do that I never would have imagined even having the stomach for <laughs> and now <laughs> kind of just making a part of daily life. Yeah. It, it has been really good that we have the resources that we have now without the internet. Um, yeah. yeah. We're panicked. Right. Yeah, it would have been a lot slower process, I imagine, yeah. right? Because you'd yeah. be still dealing with chickens and figuring that out before you could address getting another another animal. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. why why the jump from chickens and ducks to a cow, you know, instead of baby <laughs> steps to like a goat or something? They, yeah, they did that. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just forgot to tell us. All right. Okay. I forgot to mention the goats. Um, yeah. Okay, so that was what we did. We baby stepped to goats. Thinking okay. we would like an animal that would be wonderful and then we started looking at the goats thinking they're not going to make enough milk for our family so how are we going to do this and um our full plan was to wait until they'd kitted and we had goat milk and then transition and then a neighbor called us and said oh there's a jersey cow for sale you should call right away and so suddenly <laughs> here we are two months later considering a second cow because when we have to drive her up for calving how are we going to handle not having gallons of milk a day? So, <laughs> yeah. And so the gallons of milk a day have led to how, oh, loads of cheese making. I, oh my God. She just learns cheese. how to make cheese. So it is well, naturally. So <laughs> I know. What else are you going to do? I, I said to Dan the, last week, I was like, if I could just make bread and cheese all the time, I think I would be content, you know, go for a little visit to the animals and then come back in and make more cheese. Yeah. Right. And again, that's something you're just learning via YouTube. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's so funny because um, my sister and I could not be more opposite. I very much like I could totally see myself doing similarly to what you did, you know, kind of starting a small farm or something. I was excited. My husband last Christmas got me just like a little butter churn. You know, it's like a mason jar with like a little uh, spatula paddle thing. And my sister was just kind of like, why? And I was like, it's so cool. You can make your own butter. And she was like, okay, I don't get yeah. it. 
The first time we ever made butter, you know, it was a science experiment, right? And we, so we made butter and it was like watching a miracle happen before your eyes. And I'm sure cheese making must have a similar effect on you, right? Like this is a miracle or the cow, you know, you feed the cow, the cow eats the grain, eats the grass and the milk comes out. I mean, you know, we know this because we're mothers. We know we make milk out of what we eat, but like the fact that a cow can do that too, right? You know, that's like, like cow genius, don't you think? <laughs> Wait, I have to know, does your cow have a name? Yes, her name is Flossie. Oh, oh. I love it. Yeah. That was my godmother's name. Really? <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. So um, okay, what have I got here? Oh yeah. So this is what uh, what I was really wondering. Sort of we know like most of us, if you've been homeschooling for a while, you, you recognize that your life has so many learning opportunities in it, right? It's just so rich, you know, and being, and I think a lot of homeschoolers, you know, this is why we see the question in, in you know, uh, groups that I'm in, why I see the question, you know that that life is really rich, right? And that kids learn things that they wouldn't learn, you know, living in a city or a suburb, right? And so the, the day, the life is really rich. So it's rich on a farm. It's, there's lots going on. There's lots of life happening. The seasons, the mating, the everything, you know, there's just so much to learn just by the fact that you live in that environment. So what does the homeschool day look like, you know, bearing in mind all those learning opportunities? Because I mean, you're, you're, your kids are just going to come out with this mind-blowing education. Well, thanks. <laughs> I need that boost because lately... Since I've started cheese making in the last three weeks, it kind of feels like school all, well, everything in life rotates around whether or not I'm making cheese. Right. Yeah. It does take a good, like five hours of the day. It's not constant, but I can't, you know, go off and do something else. So right now, um, we have like a set thing. The kids know their expectations. The teenagers are all doing their own thing. So that's kind of managed. They have a routine that they're really responsible and good about handling. They've learned how to learn and now they pursue what they want to pursue. Right. Um, the younger kids, I still love being able to sit and do all those things that are so important, read together yeah. and go over things together. So they have a few things that they do on their own while I'm usually busy doing something Making in the kitchen. Cheese, yeah. <laughs> help, with math, help with math questions. I'm stirring a pot or I'm cutting curds or something. And then we try and sit down once that's done. And it's been funny because we've always been kind of staunch. We homeschool in the morning and then the afternoon is for whatever project or fun someone's pursuing. And now it's kind of pushing forward in the day because, oh, you know, the bread has to go in the oven or I'm working on this or this, or, you know, chores in the morning, all those things. This morning, for example, I thought this will be a perfect day to get stuff done. I'm not making cheese. We ended up, um, chasing a cow around to collect a urine sample to do a pregnancy test. (laughs) Then I had to treat a duck with bumblefoot. (laughs) Then we had to do a hunt to find some missing eggs because our chickens are hiding them in the woods. So then of course the kids are out there helping with these things, but then the day gets pushed back. And so I still find that now in the afternoon, we sit down with a history book, art curriculum that you lent us okay cool things are that we do we get to sit down and then just take some time in the afternoon to read together be together right okay so the day has kind of shifted okay interesting I thought it would be terrible but it's really not especially because we're not going anywhere we're not seeing anyone so it doesn't really matter we always kind of kept the afternoons for you know fun things after but yeah um 
we're home. So well, now the fun's in the morning. I know it's, <laughs> it really is. And you know, like today after running around doing those things, I took some time and the kids and I jumped on the trampoline. I mean, nice. they're not hurting for it and they're not, obviously they're not missing that because we're doing other things together so yeah exactly well and she's making in my mind that is totally science and social studies right there right because you know you're learning how cheese forms and you're learning the country that it comes from and so you know what more do you want than cheese (laughs) curriculum yeah that's right okay i actually i have a couple questions about the cheese making do you make different kinds you know you've got sharp cheddar white cheddar you know are you strictly sticking to one flavor type what would you call that I don't know well I'm doing lots of different types right now because they have to age for so long so some of them age like the youngest ones I've done only age for four weeks but I just packaged up a parmesan that shouldn't be sampled for a year so it has to age for a whole year so I'm trying to get as many different varieties so that when we do a cheese sampling like a preliminary cheese sampling and maybe um probably three weeks from now yeah. And we have maybe four or five to try and we can say, oh, we really like this Colby or we really like this Gouda. Wow. So we're trying some more of those, but it's, I mean, right now I'm loving the process, but we haven't yeah. sampled any of it. So I don't know what's going to come out of it. I just hope we're happy with it. <laughs> yeah. That's so in so the summer, cool. how about if we have a wine and cheese party? We totally should. Yeah, we totally should. Yeah. Oh, I don't get to, going to I know. Well, maybe by summer the borders will be open. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be I'll be probably having not. a baby. So oh, <laughs> oh right, and you have a baby coming. So probably not. <laughs> well, well, not that, your busy. Yeah, it was good so planning come, to have a baby this year. I'll come to sample the Parmesan in a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good idea. Oh my gosh, it must be so much fun. It is. Yeah. Although yeah, it sounds like it rapidly. <laughs> Did you have another question? You said you had a couple of questions. Um, well, it was mostly what types of cheese. I, right. I'm just really fascinated by that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a big cook. Um, I kind of leave that more to my husband, but there are small things like making butter or cheese that would just, I think, be so much fun. Yeah. Now, can you, when you're cooking it, can you smell like, oh yeah, this smells like cheddar. This smells like Gouda. Can you smell that or does that come later? No, I think it comes later because you're adding a culture that will continue to culture and age the cheese as right. it goes. Okay. Um, so I think, I mean, there is a different process to get a firmer, softer right. cheese. I mean, my Parmesan used the same amount as another cheese and one of them was this high and one of them was two inches taller. Right. So four gallons of milk, but the process is different. But I think it probably all kind of tastes a bit similar. The flavor develops now because it's fresh kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Okay. So what would you say is, uh, well, you go, you take your question first, because I think it'd be, uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think it'd be more interesting to find out that first. So what is your biggest challenge for the day to day? Was it running around chasing a cow? I mean, (laughs) that sounds pretty challenging. Well, there's a lot of things like there's a lot of difficult jobs that I want to avoid and I'm getting better at just saying, okay, just do it. Just do that kind right. of gross farm job that you're avoiding. And it's never as bad as I thought it was going to be. I mean, once you get into it, it's kind of like, okay, I'll just get cleaned up after. Yeah. But I think the biggest challenge is just keeping the balance because there's always stuff to do. I mean, like in any right. home, there's always stuff to do. Yeah. I have to make priorities. And yeah. recently my husband highly recommended I properly 
take a day of rest. Um, right. Because it was just go, go, go. And anytime that I thought, oh, I'm going to take it easy this day, I, I would kind of, my brain would say, oh, I'm not doing anything else. Let's bake pies or let's, you know, get into a project. I was kind of just in this um, wheel of just racing into the next thing. And I was getting worn out. So I think finding the balance of realizing I love what I get to do, but that doesn't mean I have to always do it. I can sit and read a book and take the rest I need. That's important too. Yeah. Sometimes it's our husbands that make us realize that, that whole thing, right? Like they can see what's going on. Yeah. And you don't want to lead to burnout too, right? Exactly. I want to keep loving what we're doing. I want to start feeling, you know, bitter about any of it. So, yeah. So finding balance is the biggest challenge, which I mean, I mean, obviously you have a lot more balls in the air than many of us, but, um, but it always is the big challenge of family life, right? Is finding the balance, whether it's activities or, uh, you know, or farm or, or, you know, whatever it is you're doing, right? Balance is just so vital. So the, the uh, parallel question to that is what do you find the biggest blessing of this transition of this particular transition? You've gone from city living to life on a farm. Um, uh, what's the biggest blessing? I think having a greater connection to creation. Um, I mean, we kind of knew that's what we wanted. We wanted to have a better understanding of where our food comes from. We wanted to have more control over the growing of it, the raising of our meat and all of those things. But just having that connection, I never, I have not been an animal person, a pet person to find myself here loving this time with the animals and, you know, craving it even. I just realize how much I've grown in that appreciation to realize that these these life cycles exist also to bring us joy, right? Not just to serve a purpose, but there is joy in it. I think that's been a tremendous blessing for our whole family, like to respect that. Even if we don't appreciate every part of it, to respect how it works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when we we didn't really have a lot of animals that we had goats as pets, but we had chickens and ducks and a goose at, you know, various points in our, um, when we were raising the kids. Um, But like to have your own chick that you raised, you know, from its mama that, you know, grew up on your farm that she hatched herself. And then that chicken gets bigger. And then she lays her first little egg. And it's just this like, ah, it's it's the coolest thing, you know? And like, you know, the chickens were sort of like, oh, they're just kind of annoying. But my son really, really loved his chickens. So he was, you know, he was into, I loved having the eggs, but it wasn't my thing. And, um, but, you know, I was still get just as excited about anybody else's or watching the eggs hatch in the incubator or whatever it's just like wow what an unbelievable miracle this is it is yes you know? new life we realized last spring what spring fever really is i mean mm-hmm. i never truly appreciated it when we were living in the city i mean it was exciting also in alberta spring yeah. comes later so it was yeah. you know underwhelming maybe but yeah. now it's just to see these things coming together the new life we just had chicks hatch yesterday see that incredible miracle there's yeah. nothing like it I mean yeah. I, I I appreciate it so much more and it is a thrill and it's a real joy it's exciting growing your own tomato fighting <laughs> like, into that tomato did, you know it's just like <laughs> it's funny but you know there's I've never met anyone who doesn't feel the same way if they've had a small garden and they grow something that you eat it's like 
Wow. So I, I actually just, just prior to uh, starting the podcast interview, a friend of mine who lives back East um, has been, has been texting me and she sort of said, what did you grow in your garden? And I thought, okay, girl, get ready. Cause I'm going to start spamming <laughs> you with pictures. And so I'm sending her all these pictures. This is from last year's garden, but I'm like, like I am like the queen because I can grow things, you know, I'm just, I just the right. sense of, uh, but uh, pride, but also just, um, you know, that, that uh, this is a remarkable thing in the sense of peace that you get in a garden, right? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it can just be patio containers on your, on your deck, you know, it doesn't have to be a big full-blown farm. Thank you, sweetheart. Um, it doesn't have to be a big full-blown farm to, uh, to get that satisfying feeling, but I must, it must be a hundredfold when you have the animals and everything as well, you know, like our milk, our cheese, <laughs> just be, I would be spamming everybody with photos. <laughs> well, I've been spamming Instagram. I'm, I know, saw that. Yeah. Incredibly because I'm just like, look at this, look at this. And when we sit down for a meal with yeah. our potatoes, our salad greens, our chicken that we raised. Yeah. It's, it is so satisfying. I mean, just yeah. like we are, built for connection with with other humans i yeah. think we're built for that connection with the earth yeah and it doesn't matter if you're growing some herbs in your window or a full blown operation yeah uh, there is that wonderful contentment it's very cool i i think that most listeners will want to kind of know like this that that does your husband still work? Because a lot of people would think, okay, you know, in, in an ideal world, it's hard to do on your own. Right. Yeah. So where does Dan fit into the program? Because, um, you know, it's most, for most of us, it'd be pretty hard to quit your job and, and then suddenly, you know, be running a farm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we decided to move out here, we thought that it was going to be, you know, Dan having to talk to his boss and say, okay, you know, we thought it was going to be this huge leap of faith that he was going to have to say, we're moving, I'm going to have yeah. to quit, um, yeah. give you notice. And his boss said, oh, well, let's restructure things so that you can continue working with us just from a different location. And right. he's worked from home almost our entire marriage. So that's mm -hmm. been well established. It's worked really well for us. And so now yeah. he's working from here full time, full time plus. Yeah. Um, it does suit him because he's built for that kind of speed. I'm more the one who's like, okay. I need this Saturday to be a rest Saturday, Yeah, but he does work and he goes out with me to milk the cow in the morning. He does other chores, mucks things out and, and sometimes just stands there for support because sometimes cows are fussy. Right. And, um, I need moral support. Fussy, flossy. Fussy, flossy. Yeah. <laughs> so would you, do you think you could have done it with, if you had only had little kids? Do you, like, do you think the fact that you had older kids, teenagers, made it doable because I'm, I'm just sort of picturing say the average person who has their first three or four kids and they're pretty young um would that have felt not the right season it it wouldn't have felt the right season not to jump in and just race forward like we have right either start before you have kids or start when you've got older kids <laughs> well, or start start at a reasonable pace yeah yeah i mean we we really did plow ahead. It was like this project, this project, this project last year. I mean, we were longing for winter when it was going to be a rest season slightly. I yeah. mean, all the animals to take care of, but no big projects. Yeah. Um, it has made such a difference that we have older children who will prep a meal or prepare an entire meal. Yeah. Uh, I'm going out to milk Flossie in the evenings when our three-year-old is getting put to bed. So our older, well, actually all of our kids, except for our seven-year-old, 
kind of rotate who's putting her to bed or working on right. that. So yeah. having older children has been a tremendous gift in this because we just, <laughs> we were tired when we had a bunch of little kids and yeah. no property to take care of. We were so tired. Yeah. It was like, Dragging yeah, yourself. Has no time. idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the thick of it right now. <laughs> you know, so many people, because I have a lot of friends with younger kids kind of say, oh, I don't know. We're moving closer to teenager, teenagers in the house. Teenagers are wonderful. They are oh, such a blessing. I yeah. mean, they are what they're raised to be. Yeah. To a lot of extent. I mean, when you've got a family that works together and plays together, then that's what you've got with teenagers. And we've got such a great group of helpers for teenagers now. And yeah, they're quick to jump in. Yeah. And it's a funny thing how, how sort of society makes it out like teenagers are a particular thing, but you know, if the, what the culture that they're raised in, it's so true. It's just, you know, they, they are such a product of that culture. And so, you know, we've, I mean, you and I've talked about this, Rachel, that, you know, just when your kids want to stay up at night and talk to you, that was something that, you know, when that first started happening, it was like, whew, I still had little kids. I'm pretty tired, you know, but it's so vital, right? Just stay up and talk to them because that's when they say what's really on their heart, you know? Yeah. I yeah. actually, the other day, um, I, my husband's been putting our two-year-old to bed because she just kicks and tosses and turns and I'm pregnant and can't really have kicking toddlers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was like, well, do you want to read to the boys then? And so, uh, you know, I kind of was like, I really just want to go sit on the couch and, you know, yes. read a book or something, but I, I think I can do that. So I went and I read and then it just didn't feel right to just get up and say, okay, well, good night, you know? And so I sat there for a little bit and, um, my oldest started asking me questions about like stories from my childhood. And uh-huh. at first I was like, I don't, I like my dad has tons of stories from growing up that are just great. And I have lots of fond memories, but I just feel, I felt like nothing was story worthy. And then they kind of started to come in. And so then I was telling the kids and, you know, they were, you know, on the edge of their seat or whatever it was about it. We just had fun conversing and, you know, it was like 25 minutes later. And then it was like, this is fun. Now I don't want to (laughs) leave. Yeah. What a cool thing. eh? So, I mean, you know, one of the years ago, so I, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody said, you know, we, we need to create a family culture and that's really, I mean, you're, and your farm, that's, that's part of what's happening there, right? You know, creating a family culture can happen in any environment, but it it's one of those things that that's, that's going to be kind of an iconic, um, this is a big part of our family culture, right? And, uh, you know, what a cool thing. And, and whether they like it or not, whether they end up deciding to farm when they're older, you know, like it just doesn't really matter right now, that's what it is. And they'll draw on that in their life experience as adults kind of thing. Um, I had a, another question uh, did you want to take the next question, Elizabeth? Yeah, before I, I, I do have another question thought. So what advice would you give? Um, so I, my oldest son and I would love like farm life. The, the both of us are very, we like to be doing things, right? We, we don't really like sitting around. Um, but my husband and at least my next oldest son, the little ones, it's too soon to tell are kind of more of like the homebodies, I would say, and aren't really, I don't know how well they would do with helping out with something like that. So 
would it be something that it's too much for, I guess, two people to really take on, um, you know, or, or do you really need that extra adult support or is it, it, does it depend on what you, I guess, take on as farming? It does depend on what you decide to take on. I mean, whether it's, you know, six chickens in the backyard, either way, there's heavy lifting and there are difficult jobs to be done. I really appreciate being able to call like Dan or one of the teenagers to help me, you know, haul feed bags and Dan very kindly cleaned out the chicken coop for us. So there's stuff that I'm like, thank goodness he's doing this with me. Right. Um, it, I think it kind of depends where your heart's at with it. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't go away if you don't feel like doing it. And mm -hmm. I think I, I know actually that I was worried about, am I going to be able to handle this? Am I going to um, be grossed out if there's something I have to deal with or just not be able to do it? And I've mm -hmm. found because I really care about it more than I ever realized I did, mm -hmm. I'm able to do the hard things and I'm able to, get out of bed, you know, earlier than I want to, to go out and milk flossy because it matters to me and I do care about it. Yeah. And I'm someone who likes to, you know, lounge and read a book or just watch TV. I mean, I would have said 10 years ago, there's no way I would have it in me to do this. <laughs> and here we are. And I, and I'm loving it. Like I'm not dragging myself around like, Oh, I got to do this. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, eh? How when you're when you're more attached to something, the the work goes away. It's like looking after somebody else's baby. You know, yeah. when you're you know when you're in your twenties or whatever, you're looking after someone else's baby, and it seems like that's you know. I mean, even if you love babies, there's still sort of a chore, you know, aspect to it. But yeah. when it's your own babies, you know, and I sort of imagine a similar thing. You know, that's your own baby. It's it's um it doesn't weigh you down in that way, right? Because it's a labor of love, you know, even, I mean, when we've had ponies over the years, you know, my daughter had a pony for a couple of years and, and I love the pony. And so it didn't bother me, you know, it didn't bother me to be out there working with her because um, it was just part of, it was just part of the day. And I really, you know, got to know her personality and all of that. Right. So you're invested because you care. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of people say, how do you find the time for it? And that's a strange question to answer. I, I waste loads of time doing things on my phone that I shouldn't mm -hmm. do, or, you know, just not being productive. Right. Yeah. But I do choose how to spend my time. I have enough time in my day to choose what I want to do. And so I think that's what it comes down to. I yeah. have chosen to live this lifestyle. No one forced it on me. I wanted it. And so if I want to complain about it, there's no one to gripe to, but myself. <laughs> 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 good idea right so what is your why that drove you to make this big life decision we've really learned more and more over the years I mean we've been married for 18 years and through that whole time we've really learned more about where our food is coming from and that was I think the original why for us we wanted to grow more of our own food. In Calgary, the window for growing is much shorter. Um, and we were growing food and loving it and happy to do that. And obviously it's possible, but we kind of felt drawn out here where we could have longer seasons. So we wanted to pursue that. And then from there it went from, well, we want to grow on our own vegetables. Well, we want to invest in meat that we really feel has been sourced from a good place. And then it was kind of like, well, if we could raise our own meat, 
could we do that? Would, you know, do we, do we have it in us to eat an animal that we've raised from a day old chick? Um, all of those questions that we had about where our food is coming from kind of led us to being here doing all of this. And so right. it just sort of started with a seed of, wait, where did this grow and how did it get onto our plates to here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as we can. And what was the management process in all of that, right? And and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions. Have you watched the show? We have not watched it yet, but it's on our uh, watch list. Um, the Biggest Little Farm? Yes. Okay, yeah, my, my daughter and son-in-law have been telling us about it and they just said, it's just fantastic. It's on Netflix, apparently. Okay. So do you wanna tell us a bit about it? Because it's, it's really intriguing. Did it influence you in any way? <laughs> well, we watched it several months ago and we thought it was, interesting but quite sobering i mean they don't sugarcoat the process of building a farm right. and so for us i think we found it a little bit more too realistic maybe. right yeah let's not talk about that <laughs> so no, it's a documentary right documentary yeah. it's beautifully done following this couple who you know they're they want to be growing more of their own food and they're they're farming they're growing this huge um like they have a huge fruit orchard which is just incredible and it's beautifully laid out trying to use a lot of permaculture ideas so that um you know what you're what you're growing is kind of helping something else and you see the whole process of like the bee is here to do this job and the ant is here because of this so if you've got too many ants there's this problem like I, I really like that right. whole vision of seeing the whole thing work together and that's what we're pursuing here so in that sense it was inspiring but it was also like a hard story of loss and fighting for you know what they really believed in so right worth a watch yeah yeah okay interesting um so would you say there's a person, an organization, a family that really inspired you over the years? Is there somebody that sort of jumps out that you think, um, you know, this is somebody I'd like to model myself after this person? Not really, not over the years necessarily. I've right. drawn a lot of inspiration over the last several months, um, finding other YouTube channels to follow that kind of talk about what we're doing or Instagrammers who are talking about what we're doing. Um, Justin Rhodes, I don't know if you've ever seen his YouTube channel, but their mm -hmm. family does a lot. And it's, it is very incredible to watch what they're doing. And it, it helps us to think, okay, we can do that. We can do that. Right. You know, baby step, baby step into the next thing. Um, I didn't like Dan and I both didn't grow up with farming backgrounds. Um, our parents and our grandparents, weren't farming right but I do have the sense so often that this was in me for a long time right um it seems familiar sometimes and I know that my great-grandparents farmed and I just kind of feel it's just like that feeling of oh this is this has been there before right. and I think that's really helped inspire me and it's the funniest thing is I keep having flashbacks to reading um, Charlotte's Web as a child and, and really feeling like oh my goodness I'm living Charlotte's Web I never realized that I loved it so much yeah. and that I, I wanted this and so desires so, yeah I so many times I've said this is what child Rachel dreamt of and here I am yeah. adult Rachel never even recognized that it 
was a real thing. Yeah. Right. You know, just the last couple of years, but I think I've been carrying the desire for so long. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. I um, did. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I was wondering, so do, cause you talked about raising your own meat. Do you guys butcher or do you hire out to take care of that? We hire out right now. Mm -hmm. um, that's been the discussion this year. When are we going to be ready to try this for ourselves? Neither of us really want to, but we do believe that if we, I mean, this is kind of part of our why, right? Is if, if we're going to be eating meat, we think we should be responsible for choosing well or knowing where it's coming from, um, even right up through the process of butchering. So we're kind of challenging ourselves saying, could we do this? There's a lot of equipment that we would like to have. Dan's a huge, I'll invest in that, no problem. And I'm more like, eh, I don't want to spend that money. <laughs> Are we sure we're going to use this? Are we going to like this? So, you know, it, it takes both types, but we're in discussion. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a whole, a whole other level of, um, uh, farming right a whole other layer yeah. yeah yeah and it does it does involve a lot of other things too because right. you do need a government inspected um facility to be able to sell on so if we were going to sell meat right. then we have to have it done somewhere else so right right so i have a really burning question is the cow pregnant <sighs> we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't use the sample Oh, no. <laughs> so we got the sample dance carrying around this little yogurt container <laughs> full of cow urine and then we realized we didn't have the proper size syringe to be able to insert it into it's this tiny tiny oh, vial no. that you have to insert it into test oh. so tomorrow we're going to do another collection and then mm -hmm. run to the feed store buy a syringe and then test it so <laughs> We're waiting. So does she, can you predict when she will urinate? What's, you know, like, how do we know this? Well, little known thing, she's quite predictable. And when she goes to the bathroom, so really? her barn where she spends the night is kind of more in our backyard. And then there's right. a separate gated pasture, fence pasture that we take her out to after she milks in the morning. Right. So every morning when we're escorting her more or less willingly out into the pasture, she stops to empty her bowels right before going in. Wow. so it wasn't too hard to predict when she was going to do it but I told Dan I will, call, we like, I will we someone on our podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's something I never thought I would be doing chasing yeah. a cow to get sure pee right. yeah <laughs> it's a love it oh my gosh uh do you we have one last question is there anything else on your mind elizabeth that's sort of um jumping out at you i'm just i'm just gonna see no other burning questions i mean i'm sure i have burning questions that yeah. i haven't thought of yet <laughs> yeah yeah you'll lay awake tonight <laughs> right right so i'll just text you and you can ask on my behalf <laughs> yeah yeah good idea um so we can so if you want to take the last question I'll, we and then i'll just let people know where we can find rachel yeah um so can you share your best piece of advice for a family considering to make a similar move like what you did i think i would really say just go for it um it's again it's like having children you can plan and plan and plan but you're never ready 
Yeah. Um, we thought we had done a lot of research. We thought we'd read a lot of books and you get here and it's the first time you're holding a chicken. It's terrifying. I mean, it right. was for us. Dan passed me a box. He picks them up and he passes me this box full of life and I can hear it rustling, you know, all of these feathers rustling. I was terrified, but it's been amazing. And if we had stopped to think about it, if we had planned it out for the right time, it would have taken us a lot longer. We would have been more afraid. We would have had more doubts. Instead, we just dropped into it. And, and it's been great. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah. the best wisdom for everybody, but it's worked for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Oh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I just kind of sends a chill down my spine because so often, you know, you just think about doing sort of this big life change life thing. And, and, um, uh, and you did it and here you are. Right. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm observing it yeah. as your neighbor and your friend, you know, and it's just, it's just really cool. And every time you tell me some new thing you're doing, I'm thinking, wow, girl, <laughs> it's incredible. So people can find you, your Instagram handle is house full of J's. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And so I'll put that link in our show notes, but also would there be any links that you would like to share with the listeners about maybe people you've really learned from and that sort of thing. So that if people are actually interested, they can, you know, uh, sort of discover things that have you, you have found really helpful. Well, definitely. I would say Justin Rhodes on YouTube. He's okay. got a great channel. Um, Joel Sauer. R-H-O-D-E-S. Yep. Okay. I'll write it down. Anybody else? Joel Salatin is kind of the king of American farmers. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's, he's wonderful. Uh, a wonderful man. Excellent resources. Great sense of humor. Um, he's He's got books and he's on a lot of YouTube videos. Right. If you come up, you'll find him. Now, are either of these homeschooling families that are kind of doing what you're doing? Um, Justin Rhodes, they do homeschool. Okay. I'm not sure about Joel Salzen. He, he's, his children are grown. Okay. So I don't know what he comes from. He's a, um, he does a lot of speaking across right. the states. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any homeschooling families that have really, I mean, um, there's a woman on Instagram, Ruth Ann Zimmerman, and right. I just started following her and she is inspiring. She's not homeschooling. They used to homeschool, but she shares out of just simple joy because she loves what she's doing. And right. it really is contagious watching someone enjoy what they're doing like that. It's right. wonderfully inspiring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. This is really great. <laughs> I, I have a feeling um, people will message you. I hope that's okay. If people message you. <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. It's been yeah. rewarding, um, surprising, unexpected adventure for us. Yeah truly and, wonderful and check rachel's instagram for sure because it's just it's just pretty stellar like the kinds of things you're posting like this is what i did today <laughs> it's yeah. like, wow okay <laughs> yeah, i'm trying to share a little more of the nitty-gritty because i had a lot of questions about yeah you know how, well, how from point a to point b so i'm trying to think about the things that i didn't know yeah share I would love for you to share a picture on Instagram of your gumboots after a morning. <laughs> oh, I will. Okay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because even with the pony, you know, like you come back and your, your gumboots are, you know, yeah. worth their salt. Right. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you use that word gumboots, Elizabeth. Uh, no, I'm, ass I'm assuming you just mean like 
just like rubber, rain yeah just yeah, rubber yeah. Boots. Yeah. yeah but out here they're called gum boots but apparently they're not called that everywhere um so i don't know i don't yeah, know because back east a lot of names what's that i think they do have quite a few names although yeah. i was saying this morning one of the kids asked me are you thankful for boots mom <laughs> <laughs> yes. very thankful for rubber very <laughs> oh i love it <laughs> thank you so so much